welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solvetto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. Solvetto EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduhouse.fi slash cloudpro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I love challenging myself, and I think you've known me plenty of time now that 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 you know I haven't challenged myself enough this year. So I cooked up a new challenge for July, which is the summer vacation period here in the Nordics, uh, because it means I have enough energy and I can give my challenge a little bit more focus uh, when I'm not spending eight hours working each day. And if somebody's thinking, what is the challenge? I wanted this to be a challenge that requires proper effort, but it's still something I can achieve uh, without a massive effort. So throughout July for 31 days, I will try to eat broccoli every day, at <laughs> least a little. The goal is somehow to learn to like it. Ask me in August if I still don't like it, then I fail. But at least I am giving it 31 days. Let's see how it goes. Good for you. So I, I thought the challenge here, a, a better challenge would be don't buy any new devices for half a year or something like that. Uh, I know you love your gadgets, but eating broccoli is also a, it's an interesting challenge. Good luck with that. Uh, on my end, uh, I did something more technical, which I usually don't do in my spare time these days. I built 6,000 unit tests and 250 integration tests for some of the projects I have running in the cloud uh, in C Sharp in about two days, um, and that's two days spare time. So co-pilot capabilities, they're amazing. You can really get a lot of help performing all these kind of mundane tasks in coding, um, in coding and, and that's pretty awesome. There was perhaps a like 10 to 15% error margin on those. So I had to go in and, and modify things here and there to make sure things were accurate, but it did take care of a lot of the boilerplate and a lot of the things that otherwise would have taken a, a pretty long time. And then to challenge that and make sure that it was actually accurate, and that's how I found the 10 to 15% um, inaccuracy, was I had another co-pilot or another AI code uh, generation solution challenge the tests that were created. So I had two, two different AI engines create unit tests, and then I built implementations upon those unit tests to challenge them, which was pretty interesting. But that amount of unit tests in the way we used to work in the past, we had to have a, a you know a huge staffing to to build this over you know several weeks, um, but now that happened in a spare time of two days. Then of course you have to have a critical eye, making sure you know that the thinking of the AI has been correct. So as long as you can guide it and do your prompt engineering right, you can do some pretty cool things. Um, so that's what's up for me. That's quite awesome. I think I'm already on the next level. I just don't do unit tests and I save the time there as well. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, a couple of community highlights, uh, interesting stuff that we've been reading lately and you can find the links in the show notes. Um, so sometimes I forget it's actually quite useful to go back to basics. And here's a great blog from Niha Hafez on getting started with API management, a beginner's guide for developers. What is on your reading plate? So I found something interesting as well, and I'm obviously back on the AI bandwagon here, uh, from Valentina Alto talking about chatting with your own data with Azure OpenAI. Uh, so AI is hot, so there's another interesting kind of link talking about that. 
no code involved, just Azure OpenAI service, Azure Cognitive Search, and an Azure App Service to expose that. So pretty interesting, and we'll put the links to those in the show notes as well. Alrighty, so today's episode is about building a SaaS service with Addis Hugo. And we have Addis to join us. He is the president of technology for Run.Events, an event management platform. He's also a Microsoft MVP on both Microsoft Azure and M365 apps and services. And he's also a Microsoft regional director. It feels like the guy has it all. Welcome, Addis. Very glad to join. You could join us. Please introduce yourself. Thank you, Yusi. But uh, after this introduction, I don't know uh, what to say. I just want to say, like, hello, that was it. Goodbye uh, until the next time. No, no, uh, sorry, Fred. Uh, thank you for this nice invite and uh, thank you for uh, for uh, talking about this for everybody listening to us uh, i need uh, i need to say that i know those two guys i'm talking to for 15 plus years now huh? toby i think it's basically been 15 plus years in the meantime you see also like 10 ish plus or something like that so i don't know that does it work to my benefit or i'm somehow cursed in life one of those it will be mm -hmm. uh, no it's that it's definitely uh nothing so shortly about me all that what you see said, but uh, in essence, I'm a developer. I always was. I love building code. I love building products. Um, I love seeing stuff uh, growing, uh, developing, uh, whatever. And um, yeah, during the pandemic times, I was like, I really, really feel like I need to do something. So uh, we have been talking internally in the team uh, as the company. So let's build. Uh, let's build a separate platform for the uh, professional event uh, management because uh, on in my night job i'm also a main showrunner for the european cloud summit which is a uh, largest european event focused on azure as a platform and azure technologies and european uh, collaboration summit which is the same for microsoft 365 technologies and european collaboration summit exists for 10 years now. Okay, it exists for 11 years now, but we don't count 2020. We all agree that we just don't count 2020. Uh, so um, basically, since 2013, uh, 2012, uh, from the first edition, we were looking for an event management platform that would actually make our life our lives easier. Because the issue is you use Eventbrite for, for, for uh, ticket uh, sales, you use Sessionize for session gathering, you use a custom SharePoint uh, application, which I have built eight years ago for sponsor management, and at some point of time, just like, this doesn't work anymore. And then there's uh, another lot of things which are then missing. You buy some custom uh, mobile app, which then doesn't work, and you need to exp export and import thousands of data. And you know, each time you start uh, to export and import data, we are very uh, close to different uh, data breaches and everything, uh, everything uh, which, uh, which is uh, connected to that. And I know using security is one of your favorite topics and your uh, specialties that you like to talk uh, about. So also with security in mind, we were like, no, let's start doing something, but let's do it as a software as a service. Let's do it uh, so that everybody can go to the wizard, next X finish, create something we call the organizer team because it's like one team which can uh, then um, make and run and then the multiple events maybe one event uh, yearly or and then every year or uh, multiple events each year uh, so uh, it's basically software as a software as a service 
with no installation time, no hustle, next next finish, start working on it. We have been first, uh, yeah, basically uh, developing for two years in the silence, not, uh, not telling uh, to people what exactly, not because we were keeping it secret, but because we simply didn't feel like we were there yet. You know, like it, uh, I was, uh, I was completely shocked. Like how a few months ago, when my, uh, when our uh, lead developers were like, "Yep, we are on seven hundred thousand lines of source code," and I'm, I'm like, "Okay." So, and there, and as you both know, there, there are a lot of challenges. How do you manage that? How do you organize that? How do you uh, keep that safe? How how you keep that running? So there are a lot of challenges connected. To all of that, especially projects uh, on that uh, scale, we did use it internally as a dog food uh, for European Cloud Summit last year, for European Collaboration Summit this year, and sometimes in April this year, we said like, we are actually ready. We are actually ready to operate to the to the public, to work with that, uh, to everybody work with that, and um, we are quite happy with what we have made until now. Yeah, this this sounds awesome, and. Uh, to set the scene a little bit, right? I I understand the uh, event landscape a little bit. We've all, like you mentioned, we've known each other for I, I think more than 15 years, which is a long time. Um, we actually met at an event back then, and that's pretty much that's every true. time we meet. It's yeah. one of the events across the world we've been at. Um, so this new app and, and SaaS solution, it's both for the attendees and for the organizers, right? So it's not just one or the other, but it's so it's the full package and for the sponsors and for the speakers right yeah that's and that's awesome so that i imagine which might be something we touch on that there's different challenges or, or considerations for scaling for example if you plan an event you might not require a lot of compute resources you know but if you're running an event actively like this week it's the european collaboration summit whatever event you're running there might be two thousand people using the app at the same time and then you might need bigger scale, right? So that's probably um, some considerations to talk about. Yeah. What, mm -hmm. what I'm interested to know is, so you mentioned it's running on Azure, you built this thing, it's an um, you know, event platform. Mm -hmm. um, what are like the, uh, what are the components of this? Like what does an architecture, typical architecture for this type of SaaS service look like? So it's built on Azure. But is it just, hey, here's an Azure function, it's in the cloud, everything is going to work, right? Nah. We know that's not the truth. Nah. So what, what kind of components do you have involved in, in building a successful SaaS so solutions the, like that? The core components, we for the core components, we actually went to the good old app service. Uh, believe it or not, it's still one of my favorite uh, Azure services. It just works. You can configure it now, nice, you can do whatever uh, you like with that, and it basically just works. So you've got four of them for different tasks. And now when you uh, mentioned the, uh, you have mentioned scaling, Toby, and this is exactly what you can do with the uh, app services uh, in a very nice way. Yes, I know we can have now a philosophical debate. Uh, you can you can go completely serverless and uh, consumption model and everything. But we also all know some drawbacks of the consumption model. Why consumption model sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. We actually went uh, with app services. Until now, we didn't have major issues um, with that one. Uh, we, as you said, we have made auto scaling, so we don't even care how that thing is scaled and uh, how the thing uh, how the thing is not scaled. Uh, it's really easy to uh, 
get instances of uh, multiple instances of that and to sync with that it it it, it actually just works uh, how is it, how it is so our real test was uh, on uh, first test we had uh, on european cloud summit that went completely smoothly uh, on the first day of european uh, collaboration summit we did need uh, we did see that mobile app uh, and one of those services is also in the mobile app had started to have a bit larger loading times so we went immediately because we had a team uh, there once the time was going on and the problem was not in azure the problem was in us so there was there were two database queries which were doing stuff which they should, shouldn't be uh, doing in 15 minutes we had a hotfix deployment whoop mobile app uh, started uh, working as a charm with like two seconds loading time uh, with 2500 attendees in the same time so that was and you know our attendees, this was a tech event. They usually have more than one device. And there's an iPad, there's an iPhone, there's whatever, whatever we want to say. So from that perspective, Azure has shown to be golden for us. I mean, there, there's we have other services which we use beside app service. Obviously, we have we've got Azure functions for all the uh, for all the jobs uh, which are kind of isolated one task job, isolated one task job. We then Talk either to, to, to the uh, either to uh, app services or to, uh, to other services. We have uh, we have a service bus basically managing all the async stuff. I mean, the service bus might be still one of my uh, favorite services. I mean, if you use our um, content organizer, for example, for, for, for content selection uh, and uh, agenda builder. You will see uh, as you are uh, selecting section, uh, sessions and accepting them, you will see, oh, you see Royne has moved this uh, session in an accepted bu uh, bucket. Oh, Tobias Simmergren has moved this session uh, on this, uh, the nine o'clock slot. So you, you even are getting this uh, collaborative co-working. Uh, why? Because Signal are in the background uh, handling all those uh, stuff and uh, handling who is doing what and uh, who is doing. Uh, of course, we also need uh, Signal R for all the chatting features. Chat is basically backed up by uh, by Signal R in the background completely. But um, and we do have in the preparation of this call, Toby. We uh, we have been talking. Uh, what else do we need? There's a lot. Basically, we, there's more <laughs> services that we use and we don't. But the core services are SQL Server database for domain data, Cosmos database for all the social and chat data and app services for running the main workloads. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking here, putting on my infra hat on for a moment. Is it so that everything you built here is more or less what you would perhaps call cloud native in the sense? So do you have any virtual machines? Do you even need no. those anymore? No. No, no, not a single one. Okay, what about because sometimes you read on on a blog post that you mm -hmm. cannot build a scalable service un unless you have two Kubernetes clusters. <laughs> Do you need Kubernetes at all? No, no, there's not a single Kubernetes. There is not a single container in this thing. All I'm right. sorry. I mean, I, 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 I'm not against containers. Please don't get me wrong. They definitely have their uh, their. Uh, application or whatever and i'm going to give you a a, a small secret which is not going to see we are also uh, building a uh, virtual reality solutions and for virtual uh, reality solutions we will need virtual reality rooms with room overflow uh it's like popular metaverse as we call it however this is where we are definitely going to use kubernetes because it's the easiest way to deploy deploy those and you cannot do it in any other way 
we can now go now in software architecture by. But for the core components of the run events, which is a web application, the mobile application, we did not use containers. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's like we we often talk about in this show, and I, I think we've all, because we know each other pretty well, so we all know what we've done in the past, and we've been through those challenges, right, where a new hype comes on or there's a technology for everything, and you can use containers to solve a lot of problems. But again, let's back up a little bit. What is the actual business problem we have? What is exactly. it that we're trying to solve? Use whatever works for the solution you're building. So I, I think that is something maybe we're just getting older and more mature in our decisions that we <laughs> we make IT decisions based on the business first, not based on the cool technology as admittedly I did when I got started in my career. You know, we all came from the world of SharePoint, uh, which I'm glad we we kind of went through that phase and we got over it and we moved on to you know greener pastures in Asherland. Yes, we we and all needed to suffer in our lives. We we had is. to suffer and we went through that pain. Uh, SharePoint now though is is awesome, mm -hmm. uh, but in in the early years we had some challenges, right? And often, some, some yeah, moderately speaking. And sometimes I reflect back on that and. Even if we had business challenges we wanted to solve, there was always someone in the room or a decision maker or someone along the line saying, hey, we're going to use this new capability. It might not be half-baked, but it was the latest thing. Like it came out of the, the box. It came out of the blue saying, hey, this is the latest thing. Let's use it. So I really like this kind of reflection that you gave here. It's not just about containers because they exist. It's about the business problem you're trying to solve. And again, that is what we always try to recommend to customers. Take a look at the problem you're trying to solve and then list all the applicable solutions to that and then pick whatever works for you, for your team, for your experience, and so on. We had this very discussion on our team like maybe a month ago after the, the open AI and chat GPT and everything. Yeah, we need to have a cop. We need to have open API. Listen, I'm not against it. We are in the pilot project. We have got OpenAI, we've also uh, got a really nice number of credits and, and, and everything uh, from, from Microsoft uh, to try that, to run that. But what are we going to use? I mean, there's one uh, thing which we have already started for the user interface to simplify it, because I told you 700 lines of code, there's a lot of options uh, also in the UI. So we already started uh, building like as a cognitive search to uh, easier come to the uh, to the uh, menu points which you need. And just start typing ticket configuration instead of going three, uh, to the three menus down to find the ticket configuration. So, you know, this simple stuff to make users' life easier. And let's base, uh, and I, we, were, we were then discussing this, should we use OpenAI just because we can? Or should we actually try to make that search functionality which we already started doing a bit more clever? So uh, to also uh, ask the search functionality, please open ticket configuration, but also tell me how many tickets did I sell today? Which is basically uh, what you can do uh, do with combination of those two. So we will be uh, we are looking into it right now. We'll probably doing uh, we'll be doing the summer cup project uh, integrating that, but not because everybody has an open AI uh, open AI. Uh, so we need to have open AI. We I actually don't care about that. What I do care is where that, can it help us and where can it help us? Yeah. And I say, yes, it can, but let's, let's do it cleverly. 
Yeah, yeah. I think this is a, a really interesting point. And and again, looking at the the business need, and I I've heard similar stories from, you know, customers running on Azure or customers building something where they also use capabilities. They are now integrating with OpenAI or even with ChatGPT APIs directly, but not because they want to, like you see a lot of use cases online, like, hey, if you want to make your support life easier, then enable this assistant to work on your content, which is awesome. But exactly what you mentioned is something that we started looking at internally here as well. Take a look at all the data I have and summarize. So for example, if you say, hey, how many tickets were sold today? And you get a reply and then, oh, by the way, I also need to know how many of those were done in Sweden or, you know, whatever, exactly. you can just ask whatever questions instead well, of Russia, building a why, system why, around. Why Sweden? Why not Finland? Well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to include everyone, so full diversity. Um, but, you know, whatever decision you, you want to make, you don't have to build that into the application anymore. You can just make sure you have all the data available and then use the AI capabilities to query the data and say, that's, based on all the true. unstructured data we have. So yes, know, tell me we, will we will definitely be looking into it, but not, not in a wild hype way. Everybody's doing open AI, we need to do open mm -hmm. AI. If we don't, we don't. If we do, then, then it's great, let's use it. Exactly, I, I really like this approach because what I often see on social media is that there's been 2,000 new AI-related services released in the past month. Then you take a quick peek on that list of those AI-related services, and about 90% of them are, are wrappers for ChatGPT API. And then you go, well, hold on, is this bringing something new for me? So I like this thoughtful approach here. So a bit on, on deployment. Mm -hmm. uh, you run a service now that that has thousands of users, especially when an event is happening. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you need to need to keep on updating your platform and services. Or so, are you all in with the latest fancy stuff like infrastructure as code, automated deployments, build pipelines, or are you more like me that just right-click, publish from Visual <laughs> Studio, and pray that no. it works? <laughs> no, no, we cannot afford that anymore. Maybe we couldn't afford it in the first two months of the of the development. We definitely cannot. Um, well, what's latest and greatest? Uh, but uh, we were being, we have been passionate um, DevOps users for years, basically. And um, I need to say, in Dev, if everybody from DevOps teams is listening, guys, do something about this. Our developers who are all in the end of their 20s basically told, uh, made a mutiny and said, we, are not, we don't want to work with DevOps anymore. It feels like 1997. <laughs> um, you can't access the mobile, uh, the, the, the discussion on work items, and basically because of the work items, not because of all the other functionalities which you've got to measure DevOps. It's like work items and processes is very locked and looked Basic, look basically like from 1997. So when you also talk about Azure, uh, let's not paint everything pink. There are a few things that we, which are dark red and maybe should be refreshed uh, with some pink paint uh, in the future. So what we basically did now post-collapse summit immediately was update, uh, move everything to GitHub. Um, migration of the source code of repos was that was easy. That, that that was that was no time at all. It took us two days to rebuild pipelines. 
but that was those two days were to be expected. So we were just praying that there will be no hot fixes in those two days. There were no hot fixes in those two days, so uh, we went safe in that one. And uh, I made a small, now don't laugh, C-sharp console application, which basically moved all the work items from from, uh, from DevOps, uh, from Azure DevOps to uh, ClickUp. And we are using ClickUp uh, for, our, uh, for our work item management. And ClickUp and GitHub integration is awesome. You can start a new branch uh, from from a work item. You can do stuff. It's like everybody feels like cheery and, and it's all colorful. We have people uh, of uh, many colors. It's all really colorful. So we are basically on the fancy side. We use uh, GitHub now for uh, all the deployments uh, and all the pipelines. Uh, build both build uh, build and release pipelines. Uh, we use all all from GitHub. And uh, our downtimes are in the, and it was also before that, but also now our downtimes are under 30 seconds. And this is basically uh, something that we are really taking care of, that uh, if deployment happens, we know there's a 30 seconds blackout, and then we are back up again. So that, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so, I know you mentioned security. I know uh, you mentioned uses focus on security, which we all know as well. I worked in with a lot of security in my past company as well. Um, you know, because we also operated SaaS solutions distributed across the globe, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things to consider: compliance, uh, compliance, and and data regulations. Where's my data hosted? Do you have customers in the U.S. and Europe? And where's the data actually flying around? Things like that. So, like top of mind um for for you and security considerations here how how does your like train of thought go here with all things security are you using um you know the all the capabilities built in are you using any frameworks are you thinking about like data compliance and, and things like that so we are using a lot of stuff which came into fit azure uh, and we love uh, that about it. When we start about data residency, we are proudly an European company. Uh, so basically, uh, all the data is uh, stored in the uh, data centers in West Europe, which would be Amsterdam, uh, because we thought, okay, it's the longest or one of the two longest standing data centers uh, in, in, in uh, Europe. So uh, with all capabilities are there, you don't run into you don't run into a danger that there's there's a service missing in that particular data center, which I still see, for example, in German data centers. Oh, that capability is not here yet. OK, good, whatever. Um, so Amsterdam, Amsterdam and Dublin, as we know, are, are the two longest standing ones. And uh, so we went, we went uh, for that one. We keep all private data definitely encrypted. We use things uh, which are there for us in Azure, and we use things which are there for us in SQL Server, which also helps uh, in that regard a lot. Um, plus, uh, we use all the best practices from Azure on, uh, on the data access. There, we, there is no there is no SQL uh, SQL level data access for our data. It all needs to uh, go to to the to manage identities, uh, to to service applications, whatever. And uh, we think we are pretty fine on that one. So what are we uh, what are we starting to do now? And the first one is scheduled for, uh, in a few weeks. We are starting with uh, regular external pen tests, which are going to happen every six months. 
so because it's one thing what we believe that's secure, it's another thing what uh, somebody else is going to tell us is it's, uh, is that actually secure or not, uh, or if they find a way uh, to get into data. Uh, we are we are very positive on this one. My partner in crime, and what we are doing, uh, Mustafa Roman, he also loves that. Uh, he's more on UC sites. He also loves that uh, um, that part. He's also Azure MVP for how many years? Too many years. We are all we are all in this for way too many years uh, on that one. So uh, we feel we are good, but you know how it's uh, security, Toby. There is no feeling about security. The, uh, there, there's something you can do better. And there's always something you can do better. And there's always something uh, you can improve. And this is why I am very cautious. To say oh, we have the best purpose uh, security in the world. I don't think that anybody has it. I would just say that last pass, last pass had three breaches in the last uh, 24 months, and they claim to have like the security, right? So, um, for what I can tell, we are we are doing. The best we know, the best what we release, and we are uh, what we read, and we are using what two platforms that we base this on, and it's Azure as a platform and SQL Server as a data platform uh, are offering us in this regard. This is this is awesome. I'm super happy to hear about the security because far too often, perhaps you're you're having a discussion with somebody who runs services on Azure and security often fails like we added all those 27 different security services and now we are secure when when what you are outlining is is the core principles who gets access to data is data encrypted how do we uh grant access do we use stuff like managed identities and so yes. on so so there's been an interesting development from a company called 37 signals i think they changed their name at some point to Basecamp, and now it might be 37 signals again and they've been documenting their journey away from the cloud so they've been i think on aws they're going back to on-premises because they did the math and figured because they have a fairly fairly fixed traffic and usage that it's cheaper for them to go back to on-premises uh and I don't think that's something everybody should do, but can you perhaps give some examples on your journey so far? So you mentioned you've been developing this for two years now. What do you see the cloud perhaps gives, or is there some things that you have debated heavily on when should we use what, for example, because often Azure is just people say, yeah, let's use Azure. But as you know, there's 200 services. So what do we specifically use? Has that been an easy journey or has there been a lot of like internal decision making to get to where you are today? That you see, that was actually surprisingly quite a quite a smooth sailing, I need, uh, I need to say. So we do take care uh, of our costs and we um, pay attention how much we spend, especially as a new company. Uh, it's the cash is not unlimited. Uh, the cash is there, but not so we need to take care of what's going on. And uh, one of the discussions was with our young developers was about largest cost point, which is SQL Server database. Everybody was like, yeah, well, wait, what? SQL, SQL Azure? Yes, I mean, if you want to do it properly, if you don't want to run this on a matchbox, but on a proper infrastructure, there are some costs in the lifestyle. Because we do want to have higher availability, we do want to have data replication. Because security is not only security in a way somebody breach your data. Security is that uh, you actually have a backup of your data if something 
unexpected happens. Uh, so we didn't we wanted to have data redundancy. We wanted to have a higher high mobility and everything. And that costs. That does have a price tag on that one. So we started discussing it wouldn't it be better to spin up virtual machine in uh, some dodgy data centers across the Europe, like to spin up virtual machine or two virtual machines, even yeah, higher ability with two virtual machines. We all know those. Um, and uh, just install SQL Server ourselves. And then we had discussion and start putting those points together. Okay, it's not only for higher ability, you need at least three SQL Servers. If you at least three, if you want to go buy the book. So it's not only the cost of SQL Server, it's not only the cost of uh, managed data, it's not only cost of the Windows licenses for Windows Service, which you need for that. Okay, nowadays it can be uh, Linux, but I still didn't try playing with that. Uh, it's actually also paying somebody to make it all work. Those person hours are also not uh, the cheapest thing, and you need specialists, uh, really people specialized into that thing that, uh, who know what they are doing. Then you count all that together, and you need somebody to maintain that all. And to really always look at that infrastructure. Is it there? Does it work? Uh, scale up, scale down. Now, please do me a favor and do a scale up and scale down physical machines. Uh, a lot of fun with that in the process. So when you put all that together, you just see all those faces like, yeah, big go So uh, it's something which we all uh, know very well, which is like total cost of ownership. In my opinion, going your own way can seem cheaper in the very beginning. But I don't think it's a really good alternative in the long run. Because look, one of the things from the security, which I which I always know that we can revert, we have point in uh, point in uh, in time restore for always for the last seven days. Yes, I know it's possible on-premises infrastructure, but we all know what does it take to make that possible in on-premises infrastructure. Where do you keep your logs in on-premises? We we are all coming in, uh, from SharePoint. We all know the problem of SharePoint logs. Believe me, SQL logs are not better at all. <laughs> well, you know what? In Azure, it's easy. They are all uh, they are all stored in the Azure storage if you configure it properly. What's the cheapest Azure uh, service uh, out there? It's Azure storage. We don't see that on the Azure bills. I mean, there's probably something 0 0.02, you know, like a uh, cost point. But I, I don't know. You see, I don't see ourselves going back to on-premises anytime, anytime soon. Fully, fully understandable and. And I am leaning quite heavily on public cloud as well. But then there's often something small you might want to run for on-premises, but not for something major like the run.events yeah. platform seems to be. Uh, Toby, any any more thoughts, questions? I mean, I, I have a lot of questions for others in general, but I think we'll uh, we'll meet at a conference soon and we'll uh, we'll iron all those things out. Um, I think on on this topic, it's it's pretty good. I, you know, thank you, Addis, for explaining how you leveraged Azure to to build this thing. Um, happy to hear that you're using a lot of the cloud native capabilities and uh, that you're sticking with the cloud. Um, so you, for for all uh, all of us working with the cloud and supporting customers in the cloud, you keep us uh, in a job. So that's great. Uh, nice to hear. Thank you. Do something good. <laughs> 
Uh, one, one, one last thing before we get to the unexpected question is, uh, Adi, somebody listening on this, what should they do if they want to learn more about the capability? Should they go to HTTPS run.events? Yes. And is there a trial available or something like that? There is no trial. There's no need to trial. As long as you start using uh, the platform, as you don't, don't start selling tickets uh, for, for money, you can use all the features create an organizer account, create your event under, under that organizer account, even create all the tickets that you need. Uh, it's just the fact that when you start selling tickets, we want our percentage because our uh, there's no price in advance. We are uh, running events fully commission-based. And shameless plug, uh, we are cheaper than Eventbrite. And with Eventbrite, you just get the ticket sales and with us you basically get the whole package uh, including mobile app including speaker management sponsor management agenda management name it we've got it and there's there's no financial attachment involved before you start selling tickets and even when you start we use uh, start selling tickets we use actually stripe as our as our uh, payment provider uh stripe is just going to take two to three percent of your ticket and to transfer that to us which is less than what eventbrite would take Alrighty, this is awesome. So we'll we'll put the link in the show notes. Go and have Thank a look you. at run.events. The last bit, the unexpected question. Toby, I will let you do the honors. All right. Are you ready, Addis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is uh, you know, it can go it can go sideways, it can go well. Uh, there's probably a lot of replies to this one. So the question is. What would be the worst buy one, get one free sale of all time? Oh, God. You are paying a beer for this one, Toby, later. <laughs> <laughs> Next time in this Um Last year, I had root channel treatment. It did mm. cost some money, yeah, you know, that, and I wouldn't like to get two for the same money. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't yeah. a particularly pleasant experience. Yeah, I I can imagine they would have a hard time getting that sale done. Like, <laughs> buy buy yeah. one, get one free. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fully on the same boat. I had one maybe five years ago, and I figured I'm never having this again. And, well, and if until they said, tell yeah, you, you that you need, and until they tell you that you have to. Then yeah, you, yeah. Then, then you have to, and perhaps then it would be nice to have it for free. But I wouldn't like to go in assuming, yeah, I'll come back next year for the free one. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you, Adis, for for showcasing and telling more about about Run Events, and thanks everybody for joining us. See you next week. Thank you, Yusi. Thank you, Toby. Thank you.